Well, it's great to be working together. Uh, Christchurch and Emmanuel Church working together on these uh, Advent sermons and other parts of the service as well. Let's pray together as we look at this passage. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, please would you be our teacher now uh, and open our eyes more to the glory of the incarnation of God come down, Jesus born on earth. Father, please uh, thrill our hearts with this and help us to worship Jesus. Amen. So in this Advent Sermon series, uh, we're encouraging everyone, if you can, to get hold of this book, um, The Christmas We Didn't Expect. Now, uh, unfortunately, the Good Book Company have sold out of these. I mean, it's great in lots of ways, but they have sold out. So if you haven't got a copy yet, you can't get it from them. But I think you can still get uh, the e-book. Um, so you can get an, an electronic version. And if you're able, if you've got it, um, do use this in Advent. Uh, start on the 1st of December and work your way through it. It goes through till the 24th of December. One chapter each day. Uh, and the aim of this, and the aim of this sermon series, is that we would be thrilled with Jesus and the incarnation of God come down, Jesus born on earth. That that would thrill our hearts again. Yeah, you see, the truth of Jesus' birth may be new to you. Some of these truths that we're going to think about, some of them may be brand new to you. And uh, I hope that you are thrilled by them. But for some, maybe they've become very familiar. A bit like the pictures that are up around your house, if they've been up for a while, you just start to ignore them. And you can imagine if in your house you had a, a Monet or a Rembrandt or something like that. I don't know whether you do, but even those you'd start to ignore after a while. And that can be true of the truths about Jesus come to earth, that we can become so familiar with them that we, we just lose the awe of what is happening. And so we want over this Advent series to be thrilled by these truths again. And so in this talk, this is kind of an introductory talk, it's using uh, some of the things in the introduction to the book. Now, I'm not going to read out the book, uh, but we are going to look at a passage that is referred to quite a lot in the introduction. And that's this passage in Philippians chapter 2. So I'd love you to go away and read the chapter for yourself. Read the introduction for yourself and on the 1st of December, get going day by day with the book. And so uh, we're going to focus on Philippians chapter 2 and verses 5 to, well, 5 to 8 really. And in those verses, what we see is a descent. The, the introduction in the book is titled, God Came Down. And that's what we see in these verses. God coming down. It is a descent. It is like a diver going up to the top platform uh, and plummeting down and then plunging through the water and going down to the very depths of the pool. It is that kind of image, God descending. And just as a diver, as they go through the air, they have to go through a lot of air first before they even plunge into the water. So actually we find Jesus's descent begins before he is born. And so what are the heights that Jesus comes down from? Well, our first heading, and we're going to follow the, the subheadings in the introduction in, in the book because they fit well with this passage in Philippians. And the first heading is this, he came from heaven. 
Before we come to the heights, let's just have a quick look at verse 5. At the beginning of the passage, this is really important to see because this gives us the context. This gives us why Paul is writing this. So it says, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. So Paul is about to give us the mind of Christ. This is an incredible thing, isn't it? That Paul is saying, I'm going to open up to you what was going on in Jesus' mind, his thinking when he came down, when he descended. Now we need to know that, that's Paul's aim. Because that then means that Paul is not necessarily going to give us all the details about the incarnation. He wants us to get into Jesus' mindset. And that will be important for us a little bit later on. And so he starts at the heights. What are the heights Jesus starts from? Verse 6, who being in very nature God. Now, some translations, maybe the translation you've got, say uh, being in the form of God. Now, that could be misleading, couldn't it? Because uh, we might think, well, if he's in the form of God, maybe that means he's not God. After all, if you were to make a jelly uh, and you were to make one um, using a mould, which is, say, the shape of a cat, uh, and you made it and you tipped it out and you go, well, that jelly is in the, in the form of a cat. But it's not a cat. It, it, it's jelly. And maybe that's true of Jesus. Except it's not. He's not just in the form of God in the sense that he's not really God. No, this actually, actually a good translation is the one we've got here. Being in very nature God. Being in very essence God. Jesus is God through and through such that everything that you can say about God, you can say about Jesus. Now that means there's a lot that you can say there, isn't there? So where's the heights that Jesus starts from? Well, well, he's omnipotent. It's the omni word, isn't it? Omnipotent means that he can do anything he wants to do. That's what it means to be omnipotent, to have the power to do whatever you want to do. Or omniscient. In other words, he knows everything. This was true of Jesus and a whole load more things. Also, the character of God, that Jesus was perfectly loving, perfectly holy, perfectly just, perfectly good. All that you can say about God, you can say, yes, that was true of Jesus. He is in very nature, very essence God, God through and through. And therefore, there is no one who deserves more honour and praise and glory. Jesus started at that height. Now that is high. And then verse 6, second half, it says this, that he did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. Uh, in other words, being God, being in essence God, he didn't decide to use that for his own gain, to exploit his position for his own gain, but rather, well now's where the descent begins. That's where he starts from. He came from heaven. And then our second point, he came as a servant. Have a look at verse 7. But it says he made himself nothing. Made himself nothing. Or emptied himself. But what did he lose? What did he empty himself of when he came to earth, when he descended? Well, I tell you what it can't be. It can't be that he lost any of his godness. He lost none of that. After all, Thomas, after Jesus had risen from the dead, said to Jesus, when he saw the arisen Jesus, he said, my Lord and my God. And Jesus didn't tell him off. 
No, Jesus was still God throughout the whole of his earthly life. He lost none of his godness. And therefore, all those things that we thought about where we said, you know, if they're true of God, they're true of Jesus, they must still be true of Jesus throughout his earthly life. Omnipotent, omniscient, uh, the same character, all those sorts of things. Now, that takes a bit of getting your head around, and there's more later in the book, in uh, the Christmas we didn't expect. There's more later on about that, so read on. He didn't lose any of his godness. So what did he lose? What does it mean he became nothing? Well, that's where you've got to read on. It tells us, it explains it. Verse 7, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. He made himself nothing by not coming in splendour and majesty. After all, when God arrives in the Old Testament, often it is very dramatic. On Mount Sinai, you've got an earthquake and lightning and a cloud descending, and it's really dramatic. And when God fills the temple with his glory, it's so amazing that people cannot enter into it. But yet here is God come to earth, and yet he's coming as an ordinary person. He comes to an ordinary family. I like the way the, the book puts it uh, on this. Uh, that in Jesus' life at one point, um, on the hill of transfiguration, three of Jesus' disciples caught a glimpse of his divine human glory. But the Jesus they knew day to day, on the roads of the backwaters of Galilee, he was no dignitary. In fact, it says of him, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. He didn't have a palace, in fact, he didn't even have a roof. There was no place that he could call his own, even though he had made the whole world. Now this is an incredible descent, isn't it? That he should come from glory, to plunge through the waterline, to be born on earth, and to be a servant. I mean, even at, uh, at the Last Supper, he washed his disciples' feet. That was literally taking the position of a servant. And this is captured in some carols, isn't it? Lo, within the manger lies he who built the starry skies. Veiled in flesh the Godhead see, hail the incarnate deity. He descends, is born on earth as a servant, but the descent goes lower still. Our third point all the way to death. Verse 8 takes us to the very depths, but it isn't until you get to the very last word of verse 8 that you get to the very bottom. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death. Jesus dying. That uh, would have been enough, wouldn't it? You would have thought that Jesus would come from glory, from heaven, and be born on earth and, and serve others, but then he dies. Think about this, the, the one who created everything himself is killed. In fact, more than that, because we're told in the book of Hebrews, chapter 1, verse 2, that Jesus sustains everything by his powerful word. 
In other words, Jesus being our creator means not just that he made us, but that he keeps us going moment by moment, minute by minute. Jesus keeps us going by his powerful word. And so the only reason why you're still breathing right now is because Jesus says so. If he stops saying so, you just plunge into non-existence or die. But therefore, as Jesus was being killed, the very people who were killing him, Jesus was sustaining them as they were doing it. Now that is grace, isn't it? That he would keep them alive, even though they're killing him. But dying itself wasn't the depths. Verse 8, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. And that is how low it goes to be crucified. Because there was nothing more degrading. It was a shameful, humiliating, painful death. It was so bad that Roman citizens were not allowed to be crucified, no matter how bad they'd been. It was shameful for the occupying Romans, for for people to be crucified, and Jesus was. But more than that, for the Jews, they knew from their scriptures from the Old Testament that everyone who is hung on a tree is cursed. The Romans thought it was humiliating. The Jews thought this is a cursed person. Jesus hanging on the cross, rejected by everyone, cursed by God. And that is the depths that Jesus was to go to. And notice with you in these verses that it is all intentional by Jesus. He is the subject of all the verbs here, isn't he? He doesn't consider equality with God something to be grasped. He made himself nothing. He took the nature of a servant and so on. He humbled himself. He did it all to himself. It is all intentional. He goes up to the high board. He looks over the edge. He sees right down through the water to the very depths that he's got to go to. And he says, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do it all. Why? Why does he go through it all? Well, our last point, to rescue his people. Well, Paul doesn't actually go into what the cross achieves. After all, we said uh, right at the beginning that that wasn't his purpose. Verse 5 tells us his purpose is to open up the mind of Christ to us. Uh, And therefore, after these verses, verse 8, he he then talks about Jesus's ascent, what God did, exalting Jesus, uh, as Beryl read for us. Now, we're not going to get into that right at this moment. But why did he do the descent? Well, we have to look elsewhere. Elsewhere in the Nativity story, it tells us this. In Matthew chapter 1, verse 21, it says, You are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. We need to know Jesus did the descent to be a rescuer. He came from the heights of heaven. He, he looked over the edge of the platform, looked down into the depths of where he would have to go, and he saw right at the bottom, right in the darkest depths, were people. Mankind, dead, needing a rescuer, and he plunges down to grab us, to bring us up and give us life. He descends 
to take the punishment that we deserve so that we can have life. And this idea of Jesus coming as a rescuer is captured again in, in carols, isn't it? So hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king, peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. That's what we need, to be brought back into relationship with God, to be reconciled to him. Or uh, another one, let us all with one accord sing praises to our heavenly Lord, who hath made heaven and earth of naught, and with his blood mankind hath bought. This is why Jesus descended, to be our rescuer. And so if you're not yet a Christian, well, you need to know that this rescue can be for you too. It can be your rescue. If you will come to Jesus, recognise who he is, that this is God, bow before him in worship and ask him to be your rescuer. And if you're a Christian, will you this Advent again marvel at Jesus come to earth, God come down. Use the book, read it through chapter by chapter. But we also need to see the application that Paul wants to give us in Philippians as well. Because he says in verse 5, doesn't he, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. Now, of course, we don't come from the same heights. And we don't have to go to the same depths as Jesus did. We can't. But he does say, have the same attitude. Become a servant for one another. Pour yourself out in love. Having received the service of Christ, pour it out to others. And so today, will you do that? How could you do that? Well, there, there are various ways that you could do it. Maybe you can think of a whole load more. One way could be to call people. Give them a phone call. Be a listening ear. Loneliness is a big problem, isn't it, at the moment? Well, we can serve one another just by phoning someone. But maybe you're weary of serving. Maybe you're feeling, I've given and given and I've not received. I've reached my limit. I don't think I can do any more. And I'm a bit fed up that no one else is doing it for me. Well, that can be depressing, can't it? And we can feel a bit fed up. But we've got to go back to Philippians chapter 2 again, haven't we? And see Jesus' attitude. You see, he looked from the top and looked down and saw the depths he would have to go to. And he said, well, there are no limits. I'm going to go all the way down. And even as he was at the very bottom, as he was on the cross, it's not that there were crowds of people cheering him on. It's not that there were people saying, you've got this, you can do this. He was abandoned. And yet he did it anyway. And Paul says, have the same attitude. You see, if Jesus had said, well, I'll only do it if people appreciate it, he never would have come. If he said, I'll only do it if, if people will do it back to me, he never would have carried on. No, we've got to have the same attitude, haven't we? That we'll pour ourselves out for one another no matter what. Whether we're receiving thanks, whether we're receiving service ourselves, we've just got to keep doing it. And the only way to keep doing it is to keep our eyes on Jesus and know that actually he has served us. We have had someone serve us and love us, the Lord Jesus. And so we keep pouring ourselves out.
And so this is what we've seen today, the descent of Jesus, the diving down, the going down to the depths and doing it to be our rescuer. I'm going to lead us in prayer as we finish. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Christ's coming, for his descent, that he came from heaven, from glory, came as a servant, went even to death on a cross, and that he did it for our rescue. Father, please, if there are those who haven't yet responded to Jesus, please bring them to him in repentance and faith. And for those who are Christians, Father, please help us to marvel at Jesus this Advent and to pour ourselves out in service of one another as we revel in your service of us. Amen. <laughs>